This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. For a long time, sustainability has been exclusive rather than inclusive. And that is one of the biggest changes we need to make as a society and as a startup to start really changing behaviours. Hello, and welcome to How to Lead a Sustainable Business. I'm Alana Weston, chairman of Selfridges Group, and I believe that sustainability will be the next big disruptor of my industry. It must be placed at the heart of business strategy if we're to overcome the climate crisis and transition to a cleaner and more just economy. Through this podcast, we'll learn what it takes to make change happen. We'll hear from the transformers, and the innovators, those who've taken existing companies and redesigned their business models, and those who've started something new. This week, I'm joined by Victoria Prue, co-founder and CEO of the UK's first peer-to-peer wardrobe rental platform, Her, spelt H-U-R-R. In a world where fashion is asking itself tough questions, Victoria is an innovator who's tapped into the circular economy. Her platform allows women to rent fashion to and from each other through an online community. Forbes calls it the Airbnb of fashion. Victoria has been recognized in Draper's 30 Under 30 and Glamour's 30 People Changing the Face of Fashion in 2020. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So tell me, you studied real estate and trained as a chartered surveyor. How did you go from that to launching a fashion rental community? It's a great question. So Her is actually my second tech startup. I founded my first tech business when I was an undergrad as a bit of a side hustle fun project. And then I think I was probably, to be truthful, under a bit of parental pressure to go and get a real job just in case my entrepreneurial endeavours didn't quite work out. So I qualified as a charter surveyor and spent three and a half years as a commercial real estate broker, as you mentioned. Got the letters after my name and handed my notice in the next day to co-found what is now Wow. So you built your business really from the ground up, starting in a basement in Shoreditch, I read. And you even wrote the code for the platform yourself. Tell us your startup story. 
The beginnings of her was certainly not glamorous. We're a tech platform at heart. That's what we're good at. And I guess what I thought would take six weeks took nearly a year to build. And really over three and a half years, I had spotted a massive gap in the market for fashion rental in the UK. No one was doing it here. I'm a millennial myself and I had watched the kind of booming rise of the sharing economy and the fact that we don't own houses anymore. We don't own cars anymore. You know, Airbnb and Uber have just changed the way that we operate as a society. And I really believe that fashion was the next big step. And over weeks and weeks and months and months of testing and learning and building, the more convinced I became that fashion had a real problem and sustainability I really believe was not a trend and that it was a movement. And here we are three and a half years later where we're at the forefront of change. And it's really exciting that finally there is buy-in from a kind of mass and global level about sustainability. So you offer customers a sustainable solution to their desire for newness. Are you giving them the opportunity for guilt-free shopping? I mean, how important is the sustainability aspect of the offer? We're not a business trying to be sustainable. Our entire business model is sustainable. So one of the best things you can do when you're looking at the environmental impact of your wardrobe is to actually extend the lifespan of clothes you already own. So for me, it's all about redefining ownership. My ultimate goal is so when Alana rents a dress from us, she gets that same dopamine hit that she gets from when she's buying something new, but without the financial implication or the environmental implication, because she's smart enough to work out that there are some things she wants to own forever. And she's so savvy, she realises that there are pieces she can access for a fraction of the retail price, enjoy it for a while and then send it back. So I think it's all about transforming how we view ownership and making renting cool as well. And you're partnering with Selfridges at the moment. And what have you learned since you've gone in store? How is that partnership bringing new ideas So we launched in February last year, a pop-up on the third floor in the Oxford Street branch. It was obviously a time probably four weeks before COVID hit, I think. And in the first two weeks, we rented every dress on the shop floor. It went absolutely crazy. I remember meeting customers that were running out of a meeting in Mayfair into Selfridges to rent a funky Rixo sequin backless dress for a date night on a Wednesday night. It was the most insane moment and a huge milestone for us. Overnight, it legitimised our business. It said, "Okay, guys, we're Selfridges. We know what's coming. We know what this is going to look like in five and 10 years time. Here's her. Go and rent your dress. It's obviously we've been in and out of lockdown, in and out of launching the pop up. But it's so great. I was in store yesterday. Things are really going back to normal. And there's never been a better time to be considering how we shop and different ways to shop. And tell me a bit more about your customer. Are you seeing differences between, say, a millennial and a Gen Z woman? And how will Generation C, COVID and climate consume fashion in an age of eco-anxiety? On the kind of whole, our business is definitely geared towards Gen Zs and, and millennials. They are the people really driving the charge on sustainability, in our opinion. And to your point about Generation C, there's a whole new generation now who wants things done incredibly differently. So I think we're at a time where absolutely our platform online is linked very heavily towards the Gen Zs and the millennials. And in our physical pop-up space, we have a much older demographic. So we get 50-year-old women renting dresses. I was in store yesterday we had a 60-year-old woman renting a really funky two-piece suit for her 60th birthday. So it's been really nice to see that split where there's an older demographic that perhaps we wouldn't have come across her online in store. Um, So that's been really fun to watch too. 
episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's a really interesting business that you've created because it's peer-to-peer. It's circular. And it's powered by technology. How important do you think each of these will be to the way customers engage with fashion in the future? I think we need all three to work together. And I hope that's what we're doing. To begin with technology, I have built her to scale because we need change and we need change in behaviours quickly. I love the phrase, we don't need a few people doing sustainability perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly. And I think that tech and, and the scalability of our platform is really at the kind of heart of that. In terms of thinking about the circular economy, as I mentioned, that is only going to be more important as we scale, as we grow, as life goes back to normal. And I think there's been a big mentality shift away from overconsumption to be thinking about, you know, investing in timeless pieces that are going to last year after year and hopefully renting the rest and then peer-to-peer it's our big usp it's what i'm incredibly passionate about the community of her is at the heart of our platform and it's really crucial for us that we have diversity of people renting of stock and uh, i mean to give you an example it was earth day last week or the week before and we did a collaboration with amazing woman called freya simone who makes upcycled dresses from duvets and it was the first kind of made-to-order fashion rental item to launch and we wouldn't have got there without the tech and the circularity and the peer-to-peer elements. And does having a purpose beyond profit shape your company's culture in a different way, do you think? I deeply believe the future of fashion is a rented wardrobe. I genuinely get out of bed every morning because I believe the time for change is now. And it has been an incredibly challenging journey. Uh, There have been a lot of people that said renting would never work. It would never take off. And I really believe we are on to the next big thing. And to your point about can you have purpose and profit? Sustainability and growth have to go hand in hand. If they can't, there is a real problem with how a business is operating. And I think the most exciting part of our business is because we're in a space where we can be revenue generating, but we're also turning the fashion industry on its head. And I think that's what makes us disruptive and innovative, but also hopefully exciting for the future of fashion too. And 
so as you grow your business, I mean, everybody's trying to get great developers, great technology people to work for them. Do you think that having this positioning and this mission is helping you to attract talent? I really think so. I think especially for a younger workforce and, and the majority of my workforce is kind of in the millennial and, and Gen Z space. They want to work for brands that they believe in and where the founders are in the business and they're driving the missions all day, every day. It's not greenwashing. It's not a business trying to look sustainable. I really believe we can attract some top talent and we certainly do. And can you talk a bit about diversity in tech? Have you got a good balance or have you been able to find a good balance in terms of particularly women in your business? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I am a female co-founder of a tech business. People have opinions on that, of course. Getting younger women into tech is something I feel incredibly passionate about. There's a phrase about you need to see it to believe that you can be it. So where are the tech first women across top organizations pushing this change? But we also need change at a GCSE level. I wish that someone had tapped me on the shoulder age 11 and said, Victoria, learn computer science. It will be the next big thing um, from a her point of view, a number of our developers in-house are female and it's something I feel incredibly strongly about, but for sure there is more work to be done. And uh, body diversity is a big issue in fashion and you've tried to cater for all body shapes with a plus size edit and you're also stocking brands made by people from diverse backgrounds. How important is diversity in every sense to your business and to your customers? So body diversity is something I've been very vocal about because I really believe that sustainability and inclusivity in every sense go hand in hand. Renting needs to be for everyone. Um, the average size of a UK woman is a size 16. So I want to make sure that whether you are in a size 8 or a size 20, there is something that is elevated and curated and for you on her. So at the beginning of last month, we launched our Rent All campaign, obviously a play on the word rental, and we brought on 10 brands that are really size inclusive. So they go all the way through to the XS to the 5XL. To my team's probably dismay, I micromanage the process quite a lot because I feel incredibly strongly about this. And I want every woman who rents on her to feel empowered and elevated and fabulous in their rentals. So we have a number of consultants that are helping us navigate this space to make sure that we've got internal targets. So how can we have 750 new items above a size 16 within the next few months? And it's really exciting because for a long time, sustainability has been exclusive rather than inclusive. And that is one of the biggest changes we need to make as a society and as a startup to start really changing behaviours. So there's so many challenges in the fashion business, particularly in supply chain. And rental has its own issues, whether it's shipping, packaging, dry cleaning. How have you been able to address these? So there is no point being a sustainable business and especially a rental business unless you have unpicked every element of the end-to-end -end rental process. So you touched on packaging. I don't want packages to come in plastic packaging. That goes against everything we believe in. So we have a partnership with a really cool company called Repack, which is reusable packaging that can be sent between 30 to 35 rentals back and forth, back and forth, no plastic involved at all. And then dry cleaning is obviously one of the big kind of pain points of a 
fashion rental business. And we got to a level of scale last year where we decided to bring that in-house and actually partner with one of the leading brands in this space, a company called Oxwash, which was founded by an ex-NASA scientist. And they are basically completely rewriting the process around dry cleaning, wet cleaning, ozone technology. And they also have the mandate for the National Health Service. So for me, if it's good enough for the NHS, it was good enough for me. So we have thought incredibly you know, long and hard about every element of our business. Gosh, that is a huge ambition. I mean, the big companies are setting ESG targets around everything from employee wages, diversity, carbon footprint. Is it possible for a small startup to monitor this kind of thing in any formal way? I think the truth is it's incredibly difficult. As a startup founder, you're doing a million things every day. I hold myself to a high level of accountability and my wider team to that as well. I think when we're thinking about ESG, the kind of go-to advice I have is to start using that B Corp framework. So for those that haven't perhaps come across the B Corp framework before, it is a guidance where a business is actually legally required to consider the impact of their decisions. And it's really been an opportunity for us as we go through the process and any company can go through this process it's not just fashion to rip a company open and build it back up again and to ask those hard questions from what is your maternity and paternity leave policy through to what is your packaging and recycling policy and everything in between i mean is there any point in launching a startup that doesn't have sustainability at its core in this day and age well, I'd say I'm probably a bit biased, if I'm honest, but I'd say I'd say no. I guess it depends what area you operate in. But sustainability cannot be a tick box. And I think what we're going to see over the next couple of years and, and probably a couple of months of 2021 is a big divergence between brands that are pretending to care versus brands that really do care and are taking actionable steps to make change. I mean, I believe that the customer is incredibly interested in this and very savvy. But what about the smart money? When you talk to investors, is the sustainability aspect something that they understand, that they're interested in and that they support? I'd say within the last year and a half, there's been a real shift in this space. So why would you want to align yourself with investors that don't agree with your vision or your mission? I think it's incredibly important that you are matched with your investors. What other investments are they making? What does their portfolio look like? From the conversations I have, they are incredibly positive because I think smart investors and smart money see sustainability as a way to future-proof a business. And the brands that aren't sustainable or aren't taking you know, action steps to be better, I just think won't be around in five years time because we are at such a critical moment. And aside from achieving your numbers, how do you measure your success? It's when someone rents for the second time. So our biggest barrier is getting anyone to rent for the first time in the same way that 10 years ago, we all rented our first Airbnb for the very first time. And now when we go on holiday, it's probably our go-to. So I describe it as the aha her moment where Mm -hmm. someone rents something for the first time and thinks, why have I not been doing this? This is so obvious. It's so easy. Everything I thought about fashion is completely changing. And, And for me, this kind of success outside of obviously revenues and KPIs is getting that person to come back for a second time. And so tell me about your hopes and dreams for the future of your business. 
for the next year for us, it's about building her as the go-to destination for fashion rental and to prove to brands and everyone out there that rental doesn't cannibalize sales. In fact, it does exactly the opposite. Rental, as we've touched upon for the Gen Zs and the millennials and the Gen Cs coming through, it's opening up an entire new audience that one day will go on to have the purchasing power to buy your brand. So it's about flipping everything we know about buying on its head and proving to brands that actually rental is not a tick box. It is a CSR component, absolutely, but it's a revenue generator. And I think when you move rental and resell and any business in the circular economy from a tick box to a longer term revenue generator, that is for me what I hope the future will look like. Well, Victoria, it's been so inspiring speaking to you. Can we just move on to the quick fire round of questions? So what's your definition of sustainability? For me, it's buying less, buying better and making sure that everything I buy, I wear at least 30 times. 30 times. Wow. Is there such a thing as sustainable growth? Yes. If sustainability and growth can't go hand in hand, you are either in the wrong sector or you need to pivot your business. And what's most important and why? Customer demand, legislation or innovation? Gosh, can I choose all three? I'd say innovation first and foremost, where customer demand definitely follows. We haven't got time for legislation to take effect. We need change now. We need change in 2021, not in 2025. And who will help us reach our climate goals fastest? The disruptors who bring us brand new products or the transformers who are changing the focus of existing brands? So I think it's the disruptors that are going to make the change, but they need buy-in from the big brands. So if you are a big brand out there and you're taking a while to transform or you're taking a while to get a bit of innovation going in the circular economy, partner with a disruptor instead and pilot an idea in a low-cost way to prove it works first. And what three things are you hoping will come out of COP26? I guess circularity, that is why the scheme exists. It's about getting more businesses to take the plunge and pilot circular economy schemes. And then for me, it's about diversity and community. So what can we be doing to actually championing and make changes within our community, get more people into the circular economy? And I think there's also a bit of an ownership on brands to be more transparent about sustainability. And what three things are essential to leading a sustainable business? So I'd say number one, it probably is founder mission, driving the business forward every day. And I hope that my passion drives her forward. Number two, I'd say it's having a dynamite team behind you who believe in your vision. And then number three, I'd say it's all about strategic investment. So you need the smart money who can translate a founder vision into a day-to-day reality. Victoria Prue, thank you so much for coming on to How to lead a sustainable business. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do take a moment to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This lets us know what you think and helps others to find the show. This episode was brought to you by Selfridges Group and Intelligence Squared. It was edited by Debbie Kilbride with technical assistance from Mark Roberts. The executive producer was Farah Jasset. I'm Alana Weston. And this is How to Lead a Sustainable Business.